0: This isn't your grandma's cancer show
1: Not your grandma's cancer show
0: Hi, I'm Tatum Duroc, and today we are talking about menopause. Yes, for lots of us in the cancer community, we are going through it sometimes decades before we would normally and on top of cancer treatment. And how do we even know what's cancer, what's cancer treatment and what's menopause? It's a confusing mess. So, <laughs> these three episodes are going to be about the experience of cancer and then we're going to have two amazing doctors coming in to give us advice and, you know, tell us where to go and what kind of helpers out there. So today's episode is about the experience. So we've got Ray, Abby, and Rebecca sharing with us a bit about their apprehension about menopause, the impact of it, and what's helped them. I'm so happy to have all three of you here with me today on Zoom so I can see your lovely faces. Um, Hi, Ray, how are you doing?
2: Hey, Jason, I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, really good. What did you kind of understand about menopause? Like, what was your first understanding of what it was or what it entailed?
2: I think that would have been when I was kind of a, a prepubescent um, adolescent. Um, my mom, I was born in the 80s and my mom was an old mother for those days. She was 37 when she had me. So when I was right about 10 10 years old to 13, I remember my mom started going through menopause. um, And it was just something that she would um, chat about and tell me how she was feeling. And we would discuss it with Um, my aunts, her sisters, you know, kind of, um, both kind of tea time conversations. Um, And they were just, you know, all I remember really was hot flushes. Right. That that was hot flushes. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I thought I was starting my periods and whatnot. And I just remember thinking, oh, my goodness, becoming a woman sounds terrible because there's always (laughs) something that is happening to your body. So I kind of, I think I just kind of, of, as a defense mechanism, shelved it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and thought, deal with that when I get to it Um, yeah and that's and honestly like that was how I first became aware of it and I don't think I really had any interaction with that up until recently.
0: Mm. And so um, when were you first diagnosed what was going on in your life?
2: Um, So I was first diagnosed when I was 23 so that was 17 years ago and um, I had just finished studying and had literally just started work um, and actually I was diagnosed because my period, I had a really long, heavy period and I knew, and I was writing a major exam and um, and I was feeling so badly that I actually, I couldn't sleep and I was writing the exam the next day. Um, so I literally went and wrote this five hour exam and then went off to the gynecologist um, who thought I had a, a fibroid at first. And then, then when I, um, When I had my first operation, we discovered that it was a uterine sarcoma. So yeah, so I was young, just starting work, just starting on that next phase of my life.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, Didn't you know? Wasn't really paying much attention to my gynecological health. I'd seen my gynae actually six months before that because I was quite responsible, Um, (laughs) um, which fortunately I had because otherwise, um, you know, he wouldn't have noticed this massive growth that had grown so so quickly
0: that 6 months that it really is quite fast isn't it yeah so at that point was there any disruption to your periods as a result of treatment
2: so my treatment was i um i immediately had a, a hysterectomy so my uterus was removed but not my ovaries okay and for me that i was the third woman in south africa to be diagnosed with this and the first two were in their 60s, and so it was kind of this is a really rare cancer. We need to save your life. Yeah. Um, yes, you will not be able to have children. Um, fortunately, I was with my gynecologist, um, and he, because it was such a rare type of cancer, he actually guided me and looked after me through everything. So I didn't didn't have an oncological consultant at that time, and he looked after me. And I remember him saying to me we can give you the options that you can get pregnant and have a baby now, but we think that that might be risking your life. And at that stage, I mean, I'd never, I I was with my husband at the time, Jeff, we were together, but the idea of starting a family then was just completely, that was never on my agenda. I'd never actually even given real consideration to starting a family or anything like that. So
0: you were 23. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. And I just, my, my dad was the most pragmatic person. He just said to me, if there's no you there can never be a baby we've got to get you we've got to sort you out first so yeah so it was just re- really quick within the month i'd had the hysterectomy and and then yeah that kind of that was that
0: so what is it like having a hysterectomy but still having your ovaries
2: so um what it means is that i don't have periods and that I don't bleed, but I do have all of the hormonal cycles that go along with having periods.
0: So you still get PMS?
2: I do. Wow. I do. So, and, and this is the scary thing because my periods as a, as a, as a young adult and a teenager were never regular anyway. So i I had no indication of what my hormonal cycles really were. and actually my best indicator was my husband Jeff, mm-hmm. because he would get that look in his eye and he was like, he would bless him. He was very kind to me. he would he would often say, Do you think
0: that you might have PMS? And that's not what you want to hear from your other half, is it? No. You're like, no, I need to be heard right now. I need to be understood, (laughs) not asked if I'm PMSing. Wow. But it is true. Sometimes other people do pick these things up before you. I used to pick up PMS from other people. My best friend came home one day and I was crying. This was ridiculous. I was literally eating ice cream crying at commercials when she came in and I looked at her and I was like I just caught your PMS didn't I and she was like yeah day one and I was like damn it because I just had mine two weeks beforehand
3: oh that's not fair
0: totally not fair but yes you know like sometimes there are signs of it that are like oh, definitely aruga, that irrational aruga.
2: behavior. yeah crying yeah. at adverts is definitely oh, one. <laughs>
0: oh shame <laughs> it's, it's so sad <laughs> so so you've got you've got your hormones you've got them in your body but you don't have periods no so then what happened when you received your your next diagnosis
2: so so actually the other the other thing that I think plays a part in in my gynecological health is that I have polycystic ovaries as well so my treatment is is basically continual monitoring. So we decided that because sarcomas don't respond to chemotherapy or radiation, we would check my body for any other tumours and whip them out as soon as possible. So as part of my scans, um, my ovaries were being scanned as well. So I was kind of keeping on top of the the polycystic nature of that Mm -hmm. because whoever was scanning me would tell me, especially if I had an ultrasound and I had a lovely radiographer at the, at the Marsden who would, who was very open and would tell me exactly what was going on. Um, So, um, so I kind of, I, you know, assessed that I had all these cysts and there was, you know, lots of ovulating or what, you know, whatever my ovaries were doing. Um, And then when I had my first recurrence, which is nine years after the first one, my consultants and I kind of put it down to it being very unlucky, and that probably when my first when the first tumor was removed, some cells got caught in my scar because it was right under my skin, um, and that it was probably just you know just bad, like the cells had been there all along, and it would be a one off. So we didn't really discuss um, any other any other treatment or or anything else to do with with my hormones specifically or health in general, it was just, okay, fine, we'll, we'll just carry on with what we were doing because this it probably won't happen again. No fingers crossed. And I think up until that time, even though um, I didn't know what my cycles were, I didn't have any really bad symptoms or any uh-huh. bad feelings that really prompted me to, to seek out medical help because I think I felt generally okay in life. The second recurrence, the third tumor, um, then that was a game-changer because then this one was really deep um, in my abdomen, was close to my bladder. So there was no, or there were cells that got left over. Um, These guys, you know, whatever, however the cancer had come to be there, there was another one. Um, And so I had surgery surgery to remove that one. And then that was when I discussed with my consultant, it's like, what can I do to prevent any more occurrences because this could happen again? Um, I I don't know if I want to do watch and wait and at that stage um, I mean my cancer is still rare in the UK um, and again really rare for young women so there's there's not you know there's not a lot of research and there's 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 no um, precedent right for treatment so it just kind of and I got a June I remember that day very well because I got like a a registrar or basically like a, not as an experienced doctor that I to chat with me and she basically gave me a printout of from the Macmillan website of a drug used for breast cancer treatment and she said we could use this one and um, we don't know We don't think it'll have any impact, really. There's no evidence that it would. But we could put you on this. So have a read of that and then tell me what you think about that. (laughs) And And on that sheet, there was a whole section about menopause. And then suddenly I was like, oh, menopause. And fortunately, I had been at Shine Connect and had attended a session on menopause. Mainly because I had been to Shine Connect before and had done, had gone to all the other sessions that I thought were relevant to me, and I thought, oh, you know, this is going to be relevant one day. And I just remember having my eyes opened at that session to what the menopause actually entailed.
0: Yeah. What was your first? What was what was surprising about that to you? What did what had you not realised before?
2: I had not realised about all the vaginal dryness and how uncomfortable and painful it could be. Mm -hmm. Um. I kind of, I guess I kind of thought, oh, well, you know, you'll be a bit dry, but you, so use lubricant. But, you know, just people, I remember women saying that they just use tons of lubricant. And, and I, honestly, I thought, oh, I remember being horrified, thinking, oh, my goodness, if my sex life changed, that would be awful. I would, my initial response was, oh, no, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, you know, the brain fog, I had no idea about brain fog. I had yeah. absolutely no idea and just and also like the general aches and pains mm-hmm. and and I mean it just seemed so vast yeah. and far reaching and that I found it really overwhelming and I thought I, I I cannot believe that I didn't know about this.
0: Yeah there's 34 recognized symptoms of menopause but so many others that are more anecdotal like when you hear people talking there's many more but yes i mean even just 34 that's a lot of (laughs) symptoms and like you were saying it's systemic you know so something that affects your brain and how it works that's going to affect every single part of your life
2: absolutely and um and also and how extreme the hot flushes could be. Mm. You know, it's not just about like fan yourself and it'll pass. You know, just, and, and also it's just, it really hit home as how, um you know, the symptoms are so consistent and, um and repetitive as well. Every day battling, it seems like an everyday battle. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I remember thinking wow okay that's pretty hectic so when i when i saw the menopause and it was just listed you know like a like two lines you may experience early menopause <laughs> and like and that was a, like no details of what the actual symptoms right. were and what it was really about um
0: i think that is a really common feeling right like i remember af saying in a previous podcast she was like yeah you know so they said oh, we're gonna throw you into early menopause and that's it. That was the only information. So you have the word thrown out, but it's this very flippant, you know. Um,
2: Immediately assuming that you know what it is, right. what, it's, how what it entails, you, how Do you, exactly.
0: Yeah, and you know, I mean, th- that's the thing about it is it's so vast, but also between 20 and 25% of women experience zero symptoms, nothing, nada. You know, so there are a lot of women that sail through. And if you're one of those women that have sailed through, you know, you're sort of looking maybe at other women going, what are you talking about? You know? <laughs> and then, you know, in, in my mind, from what I've seen, there's about 20% that it is disabling in some way. You know, that yeah. either they, they, you know, it, they can't continue their relationship, they can't continue their jobs, which is very, very common um they can't you know like something in their life they are no longer able to do or Mm. they've ended up in hospital um you know with uh, just like overwhelming panic attacks and so yeah that vastness right being put in as a two lines at the end of a sheet of paper right like it just doesn't do it justice yeah and it doesn't do the as as patients honestly Yeah. So I think that really does very much need to change, especially when you're like choosing a new drug, which you are. You're dealing with your, you know, second recurrence, um, third diagnosis or third tumor. You know, that's already panic inducing. That's already brain fog inducing. That's already (laughs) like waking up with aches and pains would make so much sense you know. Absolutely, exactly. Yeah. absolutely. And I think, and especially when you're dealing
2: with cancer already, and not just the physical side, but the mental side, because for me, that's been the biggest part of it. For me, I have to prioritize. So if, if I can eliminate anything that's going to cause me any, any kind of harm, no matter what level that is, I I don't want to deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the tricky thing for you. And I think quite a lot of people in our, in our you know, group, is that um, if you're not having periods because they've been suppressed, sometimes you don't know, well, how would I even know, you know, if I'm in perimenopause or not? Or if I've already had a menopause when I'm in my 20s, will I still get it again in my 50s? There's so much of this that we will definitely be asking those doctors (laughs) In the Absolutely. next episodes, I really want to bring Abby into the conversation here. Abby, I've been seeing you nodding um, at a lot of those symptoms <laughs> that we were talking about. Um, 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, can you tell me what was going on in your life when you were first diagnosed? I had a bit of a tricky couple of years.
3: Um, I had a hysterectomy when I was 34, not for cancer, but for endometriosis and ovarian cysts. So I had a total hysterectomy. um, So ovaries and womb and everything. Um, The following year, I got viral meningitis. So I was quite low anyway. And then I thought, right, 2013, I'm going to have a really good year this year. And it's going to be great. I was starting a new job. My youngest son had just gone to school. So I was i was like yeah this is great my my life is starting again and then i got diagnosed i found a lump and i went to the doctor and i was given those those horrible words of you know yes you've got cancer and and everything kind of fell apart really and i had surgery followed by uh, chemo and then radiotherapy i was put on a hormone blocker immediately um because my tumour was oestrogen positive um, and I've been on that for nine years now. So I kind of went head on into the menopause. At, uh, well, I was put on HRT, sorry. When I had my hysterectomy, I was put on HRT um, and as soon as I found the tumour, they took me off HRT straight away and said, no, you, you can't be on it anymore. Um, so I was taken off, it, it, taken off of it then and um, went head on into the menopause at, at, at 36 and it's been tough it's been really tough um, it's been you know it, you you don't know whether the symptoms that you have are because of the chemo that you're having because of the radiotherapy you're having because of you know because you're in the menopause you don't know you, it's really confusing really confusing um, so yeah it's been, it's been tough. But
0: I'm here. I'm still, you know, I'm still smiling. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we love your smile. <laughs> and just for everyone listening to this, Abby has a gorgeous smile. So. Aww, Tatum. <laughs> um, yeah, it is really tricky to know where one thing begins and ends. Out of the symptoms that you understand are part of the menopause, what would you say impacts you the most? Um, probably,
3: um, the lack of sleep, the, or the sleep disturbance, the completely decreased libido. I mean, it's zero. It's, you know, which is really hard. Um, I've also, when I had an allergic reaction to my chemo, so I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia as well. Um, whilst I was having, um, radiotherapy, So the symptoms really overlap with Mm. each other. And it's really tricky to know whether it's the fibro that's causing my joint pain or a menopause that's causing my joint pain, Um, the weight gain. I've been put on medication to help with my fibro um, and it causes weight gain, but also so does the menopause cause weight gain. Um, I have hot flushes. Like Ray said, hot flushes are just sometimes they're unbearable and you're getting for instance getting ready to go out somewhere and you feel like oh I'm going out I feel great and I may have may as well have not dried my hair because by the time I finished getting ready my head's wet through anyway so and it it that impacts your mood that impacts your self-esteem that yeah. impacts you know you want to feel nice when you're going out yeah but you look dreadful um so that's 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 quite tough. Um, obviously, um, panic attacks, I think I mentioned panic attacks were a huge, huge thing to start with. Um, I can remember going shopping in Sainsbury's and I was quite happily just going around the shops, filling up the trolley. You know, it, it, obviously, it's a mission in itself when you've got mobility issues but if you're feeling okay in yourself and you're doing it it's fine I I got to an aisle and it was really busy and I just thought to myself I can't do this I can't do this and I had to leave and I had to walk out the shop and I sat in the car and I cried for about I don't know 20 minutes half an hour for no real reason I couldn't there was no nothing triggered it there was nothing that had happened but I just got that overwhelming sense of, I, I got to get out. I need to get out. I need I need space. I need to, um, I just need to be alone. Um, and that's, that's hell as well. Um, so,
0: yeah, so the, no, there's, it makes sorry. you feel like you're not yourself, doesn't it? Mm,
3: yeah, like- yeah, it does. Um, and it's taken me a long time. Um, it's, I'm coming up nine years this year's um this year of being post chemo post well uh, and menopausal but I am still menopausal um so I've been nine years of that sort of limbo of am I menopausal am I not how long does it last am I mm. still gonna be what happens
0: um sorry I've forgotten I forgot where it was no that's okay <laughs> um, that's, we all sorry. understand that here <laughs> It happens to me all the time. Brain fog. I've, you know what? Brain fog. Yeah. A, a year ago was when I started to become really open about it with people. Cause a little bit like you, like I, I, at that point, it was nine years for me. And I started just to say every time my brain blipped, I started to say menopause brain. And it was such a relief. Cause I yeah. realized for so long, I like, put more pressure on myself every time that happened and i was like oh my god i don't have control of my brain um and yeah being able to kind of almost yeah in that moment name it was really useful for me take
3: ownership of it and be like yeah this
0: is me i'm you know
3: (laughs) (laughs) this this happens (laughs) welcome to my world girls and boys you know um, and that, that's what I was going to go on to say, that it's it's taken nine years for me to, to feel like myself again, like mm. post-cancer me, um, and to, like you, take ownership of it, and to say to my friends, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm just having one of my menopausal moments, and I call it Menopausal Mary, that's my name, and I have these moments of, Menopausal Mary has these moments where she pops out, and she does things, and she'll... You know, i I never had, I never would get angry at things before. I was always quite chilled and mellow, and um, let things. I didn't like confrontation and, and things like that. But now, if I feel that something's been you know somebody's been done down or something's happened or menopausal Mary will come out and she will put her foot down and she will say no hang on a minute you're wrong or whatever (laughs) there is a
0: fierceness that can happen isn't there (laughs) definitely
3: it's like this wow woman comes out and it's like oh where did she come from but I quite like it I quite like it
0: (laughs) I was working as um, a health coach for a menopause company and seeing women who had not had cancer talking about menopause was fascinating because it really made me see how much people that have had cancer play it down, you know, and actually when everything else has been going fine and then it's just menopause, you know, they were devastated by it, whereas we've almost been conditioned to, oh, let's get on with it we're alive right yeah yeah and and actually you know when something does get into your relationships or changes your mood or changes your capacity to work that is huge and and abby how has that affected your relationship with your husband
3: well it's it's been hard it's been hard i mean paul is amazing don't get me wrong he has been my rock my absolute uh, want to depend on my He, you know we've been together well married 20 years this year so you know we've been together a long long time and he has he's just incredible but the physical side of our relationship has taken a huge huge knock a huge knock I have such horrendous vaginal dryness which is awful um it <sighs> Forgive me if I'm being crude, but sometimes after being to the toilet, if 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 I'm a little not gentle enough, I will cut myself. And it's really, really painful. Um, so our intimate relationship, I mean, I forget the last time we were able to be intimate because of pain. Um, obviously, uh, you know, there are other sides to a physical relationship, which, you know, are fine. But when you have a hysterectomy and you lose the parts of you that or that make you a woman or you are a woman um and then you get something like i had breast cancer so my my breast is very deformed from that so you've i felt for a long long time like i wasn't fulfilling my womanly duty as a wife as a partner as a lover to my husband um and it took for us to have a really 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 good talk about it a really good conversation about it and I just explained to him that it hurt too much I I have no inclination for it I don't seem to get that desire anymore um which is unheard of for a woman, right? You know, well, for a woman of our age, for instance. Um, And luckily, we are very secure in our relationship. We've been through a lot together. Um, And he is the most forgiving, the most loving man. Um, And he doesn't make me feel bad. He doesn't make me feel how I feel inside, how I uh, f- <sighs> he just copes with it. And I can't ask for any more. Um but I would like to instead of just like Ray said, you you or Andrew Taysom as well, you say they, they tell you you're in the menopause and you're they give you this list of symptoms that you may get and then they just kind of cast you aside and there's no support or i don't feel like there's any support food to help you navigate this this world that we are thrown into um and just expected to deal with it and we can't talk to our friends our age because they don't get it because they they don't understand and also our friends and family have been through so much with us yeah and this is you know you don't want to add to the list of things that you know you're having to deal with oh by the way also this right
0: it's like Um, one extra thing and it almost I know for myself it almost felt a bit shameful like I felt like why can't I just deal with this like you know Mm -hmm. I've I've run out of um my friend's bandwidth you know for being able to deal with stuff and you know occasionally I would say something like actually the menopause is one of the worst symptoms for me because it's actually the longest lasting and it's Mm. the most impact on everything else Mm. but it was really hard to articulate the brokenness that i felt as a result of not being able to have sex of not you know um not feeling that I could trust my brain, public speaking, things like that, things that I used to do and going, Oh my God, but my brain's going to fall apart in the middle of it. And I couldn't Mm. sleep. And so, you know, 10 years of no sleep is going to have like a really massive effect. Um, And, you know, I didn't know that there were nurses out there that deal with sexual health that deal with this Abby. Like Mm. Like, I feel like you should have been escorted, you know, straight away, you know, on a freaking red carpet like this lady would like some, you know, help with her sexual health. You know, like why? Why is it seen as extra or fluffy or, you know, not that important when actually that is really imp- important to other people it's allowed to be a big deal to someone who doesn't have cancer um yeah and you know so yeah so I'm feeling a little passionate about that Abby <laughs> and about I love I love your passionateness I, I think everybody needs some of Taton's passionateness to
3: help us ladies get to the help that we need um
0: let's just you know there is help out there we are going to go into this more in the next couple of episodes with the doctors there is help out there and just sharing my own experience abby i couldn't have penetrative sex for 10 years and now i can Oh, hallelujah, there's hope. (laughs) So I've been sharing that a lot recently (laughs) because I feel like I wish that someone had shared that with me. And I told this woman recently who burst into tears and said, I was told if you couldn't do it for three years, that's it. It was done. She was told that by a sex therapist. No. Yeah. And I'm like, let me tell you, I went from turning the channel if people were kissing because I was like, ugh right just not bothered at all like oh this is really boring and that's when i realized maybe old people weren't prudish maybe they were just bored of it (laughs) that's why they don't want to watch it on tv um to uh now you know having a really good time um and you know there is there is help but unfortunately i think like we need to be talking so that we can empower each other to be able to get out there and, and access that help. Um, Yeah. So Abby, I'm so glad that you shared that today.
3: Thank you. It's, it's been hard. It's been, I don't think I could have done this a year ago. I honestly don't think I could have done. I don't think I was in the mental space to do it a year ago. Um, I think having spoken to my husband about it, having sort of, you know, had that conversation and actually just realising that it is normal, a normal part of, it shouldn't be normal, but it is a normal part of what we have to go through. Um, and, And
0: yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on to talk about it. I really appreciate it. Oh, i'm i'm so I'm so glad that you are here talking about it, and I'm so glad that there will be some information coming up <laughs> that Yay! can that can help and, and you know and some yes. advice and there is so many products and I'm just gonna say like I don't know if you've like there is topical estrogen um even for people with breast cancer so wow. I've managed to get that um and Um, I'm
3: scribbling that down. (laughs) Yeah. Yes,
0: yes, yes products. Um, They do um, really good lubricants for sex and they do a vaginal moisturizer as well. Um, Wow. And they're a really good brand. They're the ones that all the... You know, all the doctors and sexual health clinics, they're they're all big into yes, yes, yes. It is online as well. Um, The other thing that we talked about in the queer sex episode, um, but of course, (laughs) you know, works for any of us, is um, also uh, basically rehab. So thinking about physiotherapy for your vagina. Um, and so reframing it that way so sometimes when you haven't had any pleasure from somewhere when when you've had pain for a long time right your your neurons are connecting pain with that area so it's starting with um it's starting by starting to get some pleasure there and they do have vaginal dilators I didn't get the good ones, there's better ones. I got hard plastic and they were horrible. The best advice I got was get yourself a really good vibrator. And the idea is that you're not necessarily using it in terms of trying to have an orgasm, but that you're bringing blood flow into that area. So the blood flow plumps up the tissues, the tissues that are becoming thin and shrinking and that's what causes the little cuts right um so it literally can bring blood flow into that area you could almost sit there and read a book like it doesn't you know it could be on the outside like reading a book you know that's your physiotherapy and then you might start going "Hmm, that's actually quite pleasurable maybe maybe something else might happen here um you know and then you can venture inside a little bit but now between like putting the moisturizer on every day and you know maybe even the topical estrogen um you're starting to connect a positive relationship with that area and that over time is like one of the ways that the nurses will work with you in terms of building up to being able to have some pleasure.
3: That to me is the one thing I want to be able to do is is have the the life I had back with my husband um, that we've not had for a a number of years you know Um, so that's that's incredible and I I um, will be listening to the next ones with the doctors to hear what
1: they say. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thanks so much, Abby. And Thank I you. have Rebecca. Hi. Hi, Ray. And hi, Abby. Hiya.
0: <laughs> hi. How has that um, been hearing from um, Abby and Ray?
1: Yeah, I think um, interesting to sort of different um, experiences of a similar problem come, you know, um, yeah different thing like you know my story slightly different but equally maybe similar and different you know in some in some ways but um um yeah definitely interesting to hear different perspectives and different experiences about this topic so yeah. and have
0: you also felt like the doctors kind of you know were a little bit flippant about menopause
1: yeah it was um yeah i i, I don't think, apart from the conversation that I, uh, when I went to them with some side effects and symptoms, um, I don't think it has been mentioned really. Like, so I was um, diagnosed with breast cancer in January, 2016, and um, my breast cancer was hormone positive. I found um, a lump in my breast. And so, yeah, that carried on from there. So it was ER, PR positive, and it was like the highest levels of scores in oestrogen um, and progesterone. And um, so I had a lumpectomy quite quickly, and um then I had to have a second operation for to remove some um lymph nodes um and then I had chemotherapy and then uh, radiotherapy um at the end of that um and so during um once once the chemotherapy started um I basically didn't I didn't really have a period again and I haven't really had a proper period since then, which was like um, kind of April 2016, I had a few, you know, a few sort of lighter periods, maybe, um, maybe in 2017 and things like that afterwards. And when I, when I did ask about this and they saw your body might recover, you might have, um, you know, your reproductive, your periods again, but you might not. Um, And with me, I didn't really, or certainly not anything proper. And then I was diagnosed with secondary breast cancer following some hip pain I had on my left hip um, in March, 2019. And, um, so initially they didn't know if, um, the cancer had come back as triple negative or if it was still hormone positive because it was come back sort of quite aggressive. I had a, um, following the bone scan, I had a triple hip fracture in my left hip, <laughs> um, which is nice, you know, anyway, Sounds um,
0: painful. <laughs>
1: yeah. um but so so after I had to have a liver biopsy because it had gone to my bones and then into my liver. And then when when they were giving me the results of the biopsy um, and my oncologist was like, okay, we've got these results. It is, it's come back still hormone positive, which is good in terms of there's more, uh, potentially more treatment options available um but so she was like right so we're going to start you tomorrow on um which is a, a targeted therapy treatment a tablet um treatment um acid every three months which is for your bones um and zolodex, um which um is an um, injection that you have in your tummy and that ensures that your ovaries is basically shut down so she was sort of giving me i kind of just like give me a list of this, this this and this oh and it'll probably put you into venopause. and it was literally like a kind of last sentence afterthought and i was a bit like all right because i was quite focused on the cancer side of it naturally obviously um rather than the menopause um aspect of it sort of thing so i was a bit like all right okay and kind of went the next day to the chemotherapy suite and started um started the treatment so i i during my treatment in 2016 i'd also had zoladex then and i was back having it um again i didn't have any i wouldn't say like major major side effects um directly from it but i felt a bit like um after a few months of having that zoladex and things my body is sort of it was almost like it was like trying to function and Mm. have those um Uh, you know to have your um, hormone cycle and and to have a period it was like trying and then it was being blocked and it was almost like you could sort of feel like your body was kind of fighting against that zoladex like you know you're putting a chemical into your body saying don't behave naturally but your body's trying to behave naturally and it's sort of fighting against like each other sort of thing so yeah there were times i think maybe after i'd had zoladex for a number of months and i could sort of feel like my body was feeling like that it was maybe you get you know bloatedness and different things that were similar to having a, a cycle but that wasn't going to happen because you were chemically inducing it to not happen um but i in in general i didn't have any um of uh, like the sort of typical symptoms and stuff in terms of like i feel quite grateful that i haven't really had apart from the odd one like hot flushes so <laughs> i'll be hearing your story yeah i can I can resonate with it from other people and things, but I feel lucky that I've I've had other things to deal with, but not like not the hot flushes problem. Um, so in general, I was more dealing with um, treatments from the secondary cancer and the um, you know the um, targeted therapy and the treatments that I was on, and that sort of carried on for quite a while. And then um, in 2020, of course, we which was like. Bit of a difficult year for everybody A lot of challenging things obviously going on um i i was kind of okay and stuff and then my treatment was continuing and stuff which is good um but as winter was approaching um i just had really really terrible brain fog and i hadn't experienced that before um and it really it was like november and december 2020 and i kind of remember that it quite clearly and um it just sort of it sort of came up slowly but equally it was quite quick as as well and it suddenly was like oh my gosh I just I I can't I can't concentrate I can't see clearly and of course as ever when you're living with stage four um, cancer there's never just one thing going on there's always like you know you're dealing with the side effects of your cancer treatment. And um, at that particular time, it was, it was winter, it was dark outside, it was cold, it was wet. We were going into that second winter lockdown. And so um, there was just, there was like so many things kind of happening. And I think that that all impacted on this like head fog and just this inability to really concentrate. And and that affected my energy, definitely affected my mood. I was feeling like I was like crying. In the morning, most mornings, and I'm not. I'm generally, you know, you have moments like that. But I'm generally wasn't like that, and it was it sort of carry was carrying on for weeks and weeks. And I was just feeling like I got to a point. I thought this really isn't. This isn't me, and this I haven't really experienced this feeling before. Where I I couldn't like I was like I need to send an email. Like I was still I was working. I was still work four days a week, and I was like I just like I can't like I can't do it. <laughs> I, I was like the most basic thing you know the most you know normal thing I was just feeling like it just felt gray everything just felt gray and foggy and I just thought I just can't feeling like I can't you know I can't function and that affects other things when it's like you're dealing with appointments to do with cancer or you're dealing the overwhelm
0: isn't it like there's just an absolute overwhelm and there's just this the bandwidth to deal with that is just gone Yeah. yeah yeah yeah
1: like the kind of and maybe those mechanisms, those support mechanisms that may have normally been there because of what was going on with lockdown different things, you know, weren't there, you know, in terms of like meeting up with a friend and just having a general moan and chit chat about everything, you know, maybe at that particular point had been, again, you know, take, sort of taken away from us kind of thing because of the um, COVID regulations and everything. So all these things. And, and of course, the other thing was that my appointments with my oncologist had always been on the phone since March because of um, the regulations and everything. So I contacted them and said, I'd actually like to have a face-to-face appointment. So that was what I did in, in the December. And I explained to my oncologist, who's very nice, you know, everything that I'd that i been feeling and that, I, you know, this, it was kind of sudden in a way, but equally it had been a buildup of lots, you know, lots of things. Um, and um you know she obviously you know did listen to me and everything but she was just like and my my question to her was i said well is there anybody that i that you can refer me that i can speak to who's like a menopause and cancer expel somebody who's really familiar even if it takes us six months to get that referral she was like no, there's nobody in the nhs there isn't anything so she's like, "So what I can offer you is um an antidepressant. I think it was or I think it was called that one. Um and I just felt like I'm you know, there's nothing wrong with taking those things, but I just felt at the time that wasn't actually quite right personally, just at that moment for me. I was wanting more to explore things for example like perhaps acupuncture or different things in my diet or yoga or you know i don't know just or even just to have a conversation with somebody who was really knowledgeable on this topic yeah and um yeah their response was just no there isn't anybody and i was a bit like i'm sure in the whole of the nhs there there are people there is there are experts in this i felt quite sure that there were and she also said to me, well, you, you can also speak to your GP about it. You can try them. So I did try my GP and she was very nice and everything. But she again was like, well, I'm I'm the GP in our GP surgery who deals with menopause problems. But basically, no, there isn't any, again, there isn't anybody in the NHS that I can refer you to. There isn't anywhere. And I was like, right, OK, so I just kind of left it. And then gradually the symptoms did improve. And I had a change of scenery over the festive period. And i think by january i was sort of feeling a bit clearer and a bit brighter but i definitely had that for like two months that head fog of just that inability to do real simple basic t- you know things like i'm going to visit my mom what, what do i need to pack like oh my gosh i can't, I can't I, like i don't know, <laughs> you know like yeah real-
0: definitely like some women have been driving the same route for 15 years and then suddenly they don't remember the route, you know, yeah. it's, it's at, it can be just incredibly crazy-making, right? Mm. And, like, all these things that, like, are normal are suddenly not normal anymore. And, you know, I think that, you know, I've definitely heard with secondary cancer that, you know, it is often dismissed, but yeah. I know of someone who wasn't going to continue her treatment... Because she said her treatment was intolerable. And then one of her doctors was like, is it the treatment or is it the menopause? They gave her help for the menopause. And she was like, oh, yeah, treatment's okay.
1: Right. So
0: that is, like, you know, why I feel incredibly passionate. And why, Rebecca, like, I think, you know, in your position that you should have... Very easy access to someone who knows about this because actually, if you can manage some of those things, it can make your tolerance for all the other treatments that you have, so you know, broader, wider. You yeah, know, yeah, to
1: cope with it, definitely, yeah.
0: And even that thing of being feeling alone with it
1: is, which was intensified during that particular yeah period. You know everything as well yeah, yeah that definitely so you um, did
0: finally last week have your chat with the menopause doctor so you did yeah, find so someone
1: i did i did so it was quite a long story so so basically i um so i was on that treatment at palpa for that targeted therapy for about roughly two and a half years then then that stopped working i had pain in my other hip and they found it was stopped working so i um the treatment that i'm on now is called cabcitamine which is a normal chemotherapy tablet but before that i was quite fearful about taking this particular tablet so i spoke to my oncologist about exploring doing a drug trial and um, which um i i did i sort of found found myself a drug trial that was going on at guys cancer center um in london so from september 2021 up until um like February this year, um, I was uh, doing a cancer drug trial up at Guy's and a friend of mine has said to me, oh, I'm sure that Guy's have a menopause clinic because um, I think they, they'd they had a gynecological cancer and they said they have a menopause clinic at Guy's. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to ask about this. <laughs> so I asked the trial nurse who was really good and she was like, yes, it, it has been set up for women with gynecological cancers, um, but I c- I can do you a referral if you like. And I was like, yeah, I said even just to have like a telephone conversation with somebody would be great. Um, so she, so she did that, and then they did phone me um, like a, a, a while ago and stuff. But at the time, I had quite a lot going on. I still, oh, I'd, re- I would like to have a, a telephone consultation appointment with you, but I'm just busy at the moment. Can you phone me back anyway? Long story anyway. So they just contacted me recently and just said, "Oh, you're still on our books. We've never actually given you that appointment, and we've got a vacancy for a phone appointment. Would you like it?" I was like, "Yeah, great." <laughs> um, so I haven't like I feel you know glad that i haven't experienced that severe brain fog that i had during that two month period since then um but um obviously you know you still have uh, like other symptoms and things like for me because i've got secondary cancer in my bones uh, you know i know that there's a lot of menopause side effects that can affect um you know that can affect your bones and things yep. that you should be doing to um help that and improve that um so it was really good so yeah recently i spoke to the menopause um clinic um, doctor from there from the guys cancer center and it was really good just to have a conversation she was really empathetic really knowledgeable um you know asked me lots of different sort of questions and things and she said like well as much as we would like to we don't really have much by way of medication for brain fog, for fog like you know whereas like things like um, hot flushes and things. There are some um, antidepressant tablets that help with menopause side effects. Um, but she kind of, yeah, sort of said, um, sadly for this particular topic, it's an ongoing study and there isn't really at the moment, you know, I can't give you a tablet to sort this out sort of thing. But she said there are other things such as, you know, she said you take vitamin D. So I said, well, actually, no, I don't. I take my oral chemotherapy and I take calcium tablets. And she said, I think vitamin D, you know, might well help. And she said, we talked about exercise and she said, um, I said, well, I like swimming. Um, and I said, but I'm aware that that's not a weight bearing exercise, but she said, well, actually a lot of it is about finding a sport that you enjoy. So she said, you know, you are still, you know, you're still moving your body. You're still helping your bones. You're still helping your muscle movement. So swimming, you know, actually is really good. Maybe it's not that intensive, um, um, weight bearing exercise for your bones, but it's helping in many, in many other ways. And I said, yeah, And one of the things I like about it is obviously when you're swimming, you don't have your phone with you. There's no distraction, like you're just swimming, you're in that space. Um, And that's, I find that quite, you know, relaxing and and quite helpful and things. So um, yeah, no, she was really good.
0: Even like your face as you were talking about that phone call, like there was a relaxation that, that yeah. came across your face. And I think there is something about talking in particular that is really useful um, yeah. with menopause and this, this normalizing, this getting some advice, right, getting some tips so you're not feeling like there's something out there that you just don't know about, right? Like even if it is, you know, there's not the exact thing that you would want, just even knowing that and knowing that you've talked to the yeah. right person makes all the difference
1: all the difference definitely yeah. yeah and it's a shame really that and i don't you know i don't necessarily want to like criticize my medical and oncology team but i think naturally that's their job that they're focused on okay your blood test results are showing this your scan results are showing this we're going to give you this medication for this but of course that whole package of things has lots of side effects and implications on many areas yeah. um of, of, of your life yeah. so they are doing a job i'm not saying that they're not but but equally you know is I th- like I felt sort of quite sad really that my oncologist who is a obviously a breast oncologist and deals with women frequently sometimes younger as well these days um you know and is prescribing medication to put them into um effectively a medical uh, menopause or you know blocking off your ovaries with the Zolodex and things but wasn't like, oh, I know there's a menopause clinic at Guy's Cancer Center. It might yeah. take six months, but I can do you a referral.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And there should be pathways at all stages mm. of, of cancer to support that, right? Because whether you know you're in menopause or not, because you don't have periods anymore, because they've been shut down by Zolidex, there are so many questions. And there are hormone receptors in every single part of our body. Every part in our hearts and our brains and our muscles and our bones, and every single part of that of your body can be affected by those hormones not being there. So it is a systemic effect, you know, and an emotional one, and a mental one, and a physical one, like all the different levels. So, yeah, I mean, my, you know, my drive would be that they have. Like that's just one of the things you see your oncologist and then you see someone for the menopause, whether Mm -hmm. you're in it or not yet, you know, so that you know what you're looking for. Um, I could talk about this all day. And this is why we have three. three of these episodes because there's so much more to cover um but we're just gonna wrap up today and maybe um if uh, ray you could say one thing that you're taking away from from the chat today
2: this this feels really relevant because here we are we're a group of women talking about this. And Tatum, I think it's what you said, it's about talking about this, that is so empowering, because we're we're part of a sisterhood, aren't we? And this is because this is, it's our bodies, it's our lives. And when we share our experiences and thoughts and feelings about this topic, and whatever you know whatever informational or, or helpful hints or facts that we can you know whether it's a vibrator or a lubricant <laughs> or you know or like and you know talking about sexual stuff as well like because i think you know this we can be hesitant about this stuff but when we engage in this way we help one another on so many levels and i think that that is so important i really do And I think that's fabulous. So I think you doing, putting this podcast together is so helpful for anyone who listens and who can just, they take one, one tiny positive or one tip
3: or anything from that. I think that's, it's a total win.
0: And Abby, is there anything that really struck you today?
3: Yeah. I echo everything that Ray said. Um, Just talking about it is, has been amazing. And um, just hearing what you've got to say, Tatum, about it as well. And, you being so passionate about it and just giving us little ideas of where to go and who to ask and um, what to, you know, who we can speak to has been hugely important. Um, Before I did this, I spoke to my husband and I said, do you mind me doing it? Do you mind me like talking about us? Um, And he said, No, because if it helps someone else, then obviously it's got to be worth it. So yeah, talking, I think, is hugely important. I think I might be in love
0: with your husband. (laughs) 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 Sounds amazing. (laughs) He's not bad. bad. (laughs) Thank you so much. You're welcome. And Rebecca, (laughs) is there anything that you've heard from the others or um, how you're feeling at the end of this?
1: Again, I think having that conversation, is really um is really beneficial and um i'm sure there's going to be a couple of people at least that will many people hopefully that will listen to this podcast um through shine cancer support that will be like oh yeah that happened to me um and i definitely think that the whole like you're so you are so focused on like for me on the cancer side of things so it's just like that end of sentence and it just gets forgotten about and it's not maybe until those symptoms come up that you're like oh actually i don't think this is necessarily to do with cancer i think this is something else and then connecting it to the menopause and stuff and um and and yeah i think i think it's yeah i definitely think it would be you know fantastic for oncologists like for me like breast oncologist, but other oncologists that if women are, are dealing with this that they have that they have the knowledge to say oh actually there is somewhere within the nhs to go to to yeah. refer people to and even if it is just a conversation even if it's not a face-to-face and it's not medication um you know everyone's cancer diagnosis is so individual to them yeah that, that can just that that can be really beneficial so yeah
0: Oh, that's been so lovely chatting to everyone today, and for all of you at home um, or wherever you are and listening to this, um, feel free to get in touch. Let us know what your questions are. What has the menopause been like for you? Because there's so many different types. For myself, I've been through three, um, so there is some variety out there. Um, so email us hi at shinecancersupport.org or find us on Instagram under shinecancersupport. Send us your questions. Um, You can also find me, Tatum Duroc. Really love to hear from you. And thank you so much to Ray, Abby and Rebecca. And bye and I will see you all soon. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.